We live inside a dream. Welcome to uh, Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two uh, favorite, uh, what was it? Favorite wimps who like Kubrick and Lynch. Yeah. My name is Humbert Humbert. Okay. And my name is Claire Quilty. <laughs> okay. Is that, does that work? I'm Claire Quilty. Yeah, that's, uh, those are both names yeah. from, from the, uh, you know, we're going to, I think we're going to be like using a lot of humor to try and get through this because this yes. is, uh, yikes. This I love, is, uh, I love that nuts. you said that up top. I love that you prefaced this whole episode with we're going to use a lot of humor to get through it. It's sort of like, uh, what do they call that? Like gallows humor, right? Like just trying to like, just la- laughing about to try and take your mind off of the <laughs> sheer horror in front of you. <laughs> yeah. Can I uh, also just, I, I feel like obligated to say this up top. We're covering the film, the 1962 Stanley Kubrick film, Lolita. I just want to say, like, trigger warning to anyone who might be listening to this who is sensitive to, like, child molestation or, um, yeah, or just, like, uh, yeah, men taking advantage of women, uh, underage, anything. I mean, like, I, I had a very, not heated, but, like, a very serious conversation with my girlfriend last night about Lolita. And it just made me realize like this potentially could, could trigger a lot of people listening. Um, so yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. So uh, if you are sensitive to stuff like that, like we're sorry, like nothing about this film reflects anything me and Eric agree with or think is good in any way. (laughs) But we, we are yeah. simply two two guys covering every single Stanley Kubrick movie, yeah. uh, and we had we we got to do it. Yeah. We just have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I it almost got to the point, Eric. I'm not even kidding, and I'm not trying to put my girlfriend on blast here. She's she's an an entirely reasonable human being who has experienced trauma in her past, and uh, maybe things not necessarily done to her, but done to people she knew, and uh, you know, it got to a point where I was like. Well, babe, I mean, should I do you think I should call Eric and just tell him we got to skip it? <laughs> you know, like we can't Oh, really? Yeah, we can't do it. And she was like, "No, no." Like I think what what got her made like cuz and then and then and then the conversation became like, "Well, should I watch the film in another room?" And like you you be in another room cuz like it, you know, the the conversation was very much like this is an awful thing and I and I'm very triggered by it. And then she kind of decided like, "I think just the fact that the film was made in 1962, I think she like kind of realized like, well, I guess it won't be as graphic <laughs> as, uh, as maybe the, the novella is or, um, right. And so she not only like, uh, made peace with us watching it, but she actually watched it with me and it made for a very interesting viewing experience. <laughs> okay. Uh, me, right. me, uh, me more, looking at the film from like this, like almost like technical, like, wow, look at that shot. And her being like, what the f- is happening? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. 
Yeah. Uh, that's what's so frustrating about this movie is, and we'll get into it, is just like how good it looks. Oh, God. Because it yeah. does look really good. It looks really um, good, and it's yeah. and it's like, uh, it's, it, I hate, it's weird saying this, but it's really funny. Like the film is a comedy and it's a, it's a super dark comedy. And I mean, third, third on the bill is Peter Sellers here. So mm-hmm. one of the, one of the greatest living genius comedians of all time is in this film in full force, I would say, uh, yeah. playing multiple different characters. And the film is very funny and it treats the subject with, uh, a certain amount of levity, <laughs> Uh, where yeah. it's it's almost like the film is making fun of the topic of Lolita. However, that being said, it's still it's still covering the plot of Lolita. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say. I mean, I know that it is supposed to be like a comedy. Uh, that wasn't necessarily my experience. There are some like things that are, I guess, like kind of funny or that I like recognized as like, Oh, that's a joke. Like that's, uh, is supposed to be some laughter following. Right. Like, you scientifically deduced that there should have been a yes. joke there. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I was still like horrified from reading the book. So uh, I read the book and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, real quick, if you're, cause I know we do have a couple of people listening, uh, that just started with the twin peak stuff. So, uh, we will get back to we'll be doing season two um in a couple weeks here basically we go back and forth and do a stanley kubrick thing and a david lynch thing and twin peaks were treating like season by season mm-hmm. basically so uh sort of the schedule right now is lolita wild at heart uh strange love which is gonna be fun and then uh twin peaks season two uh, so, but if you're, if you're just tuning in and you, uh, you're like, what the hell is going on? Listen to our, we're talking about a lot of great movies. Uh, we've done a bunch of good ones so far. Uh, so I think you'll enjoy our conversations. And also Jeremy, I got to say just real quick, I got a very nice, uh, message on Twitter from a, uh, from a listener who, uh, said, and I know that there's at least a couple other people that he said that, uh, I don't know if it's he, maybe, maybe a they, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they said, uh, uh, that we got them into twin peaks and oh, they're like great. obsessed with it right now. And they're like in the middle of uh, season two and they're in there and they're just loving they're, the hell out of it. That's it. great. Not, not just getting into twin peaks, but like getting into David Lynch for the first time. That's good news. Hey, was, you're uh, welcome. Um, uh, we are lifelong fanatics of both these two fellows. So yes. happy to impart that, that love onto someone else. I do genuinely feel like very nice about that. Cause it's uh twin peaks. It's just one of those, the people that really like it, it kind of seeps into your, into your, uh, DNA there. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a good thing. But, uh, so Jeremy Lolita. Uh, <laughs> okay. Wow. Jarring yeah. smash cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Lolita came out in 62, the book, uh, so I read the book for this. We're both writers, mm-hmm. uh, here on this show and, uh, you know, when you're a writer, when you when you you're a literary fellow, you you get recommended this book once in a while. 
people tell you to read Nabokov or right. Nabokov. Well, as I've also Nabokov. <laughs> yeah. Well, some people have to read it in school, depending on like, I yeah. guess, where you went to school or what classes yeah. you took in college. So the book is, have you read the book, Jeremy? Absolutely no? not. I have not. <laughs> I w- okay. I, I, but I have um, this sort of, why do I feel like Nabokov is like this literary genius outside of Lolita? Like, isn't is is am I am I correct that Vladimir Nabokov is like one of these like amazing postmodern like novelist guys? Yeah, I think so. And um, I mean, I'm looking at like all of his other work, and I it's haven't like really. Pale heard Horse of is one of them, right? Much uh, Pale Fire. Pale Fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, the gift paint paint panin yeah I, I i don't know um but it's definitely a name you hear when you're like someone who's interested in literature and it's it's lolita has kind of like i've gone back and forth with like wanting to read it um you know every time someone would recommend it to me i would kind of look into it and then realize oh i don't really want to like read about this like this isn't something that i care care for even like i don't know i it, it it just never appealed to me and so straight up my my impression of the book and i'm not going to talk too much about it mm-hmm. uh we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about the plot of the movie but mm-hmm. i my main feeling is frustration because i feel like i'm not i feel like i'm not getting something that everyone else seems to get about it so when I was reading this book and it's written from the perspective of like Humbert Humbert, like writing from prison basically. And the very beginning of the book, you're learning about Nymphets and it, the Nabokov is like a very good writer, Yeah, but he's writing in the perspective of like a very disgusting man. And he's really romanticizing uh, like pedophilia basically. Mm-hmm. And like, young underage girls these are like children i wouldn't even use the word like women he's talking about like 12 year olds and 14 year olds uh and it wasn't clear to me like why why this story needed to be told to begin with there wasn't like if there is supposed to be a message of like this is bad (laughs) and like this is like we need to for whatever reason like examine like from the perspective of a pedophile like yeah what they're thinking and like do an artistic representation of that. I don't understand like why that needs to exist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really frustrates me. And it also frust- frustrates me that like Kubrick saw this movie, saw, read this book and was like, that's a story I need to tell. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like really, it's really upsetting to me. Cause it, I was, I was really like digging Nabokov's just way with words, but it's like, I can't, like stand by this story and also when it's not uh disgusting and mm-hmm. and it, it does get way more graphic than the film yeah the i film. heard uh jackie yes. my girlfriend who has read the book we kind of went through some of the more graphic parts like she didn't read yeah. it to me but she was explaining to me some of the more graphic stuff and it sounds yeah like i think he drugs her at one point in the book and there's definitely yep. a rape scene in it that is yep. pretty uh graphic so uh yeah. luckily it's 1962 and this film is released so we don't get any of that s- stuff but go on eric sorry i interrupted but the storytelling like 
isn't really that good to be honest with you like i was very critical of this book from that standpoint too because it's like i was reading about it online and people call it like the best novel of the 20th century and i'm like it's not it gets boring it it, when it's not like upsetting it's like it gets boring through the second half and that's part of what kubrick tried to do with the film is he restructured things a little bit yeah um to try and try and condense it and make it a little more uh engaging i guess but yeah he felt like the, he it's, felt like the book dipped in the second half so one of the did, things he yeah. did was he employed media res which was like the showing the end at the beginning to keep people hooked into the story like oh something big is going to happen later so i, I want to keep watching right. <laughs> right yeah so i guess i mean those are those are that's just my thoughts on the book and i guess if anyone out there like I don't know, has like a different take on Lolita. I'm I'm open to hearing like I do really want to know like why people think this is such a great thing. Yeah. Because I think it's pretty ugly. Like I think Eric, what you're trying to say, if I may like re if I may like frame it in words that I might relate to, sort of like you're like, yeah, sure, it's it's we get that it's written well, but who gives a shit? Like lots of books are written well and they're not about this. <laughs> Is that kind of exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so crazy because I, I, I was realizing when we were kind of discussing this yesterday that this this book was first of all huge when it came out. Like it wasn't that it was just like this big big piece of literature that everyone was like, ooh, like it's so well written. No, like this was like Fifty Shades of Grey. I think when it was released, I, I'm am I right about that, Eric? Like that it was like. It was like the novella that was like very taboo to have and but everyone yes. wanted it. And so when you talk about like why would Stanley Kubrick want to make a movie about it? I think it's the same reason people wanted to make a movie about 50 Shades of Grey. Now, I'm yeah. not I'm not comparing the the two because one of them is about a consensual uh, you know, dom sub relationship between uh consenting adults and one is about uh child molestation. <laughs> but um but I think they did serve the same cultural uh, purpose and that they were like kind of this hot, smutty French novella that people were really into at the time. And Kubrick just coming out of Spartacus, I think really wanted to shake things up. He really wanted to like with censorship. He always wants to with censor- censorship. Um, and, uh, you know, this won't be the only incredibly controversial novel he'll adapt. Like Clockwork Orange comes later, so oh yeah, we're in for a we're in for a wild ride as far as Kubrick is concerned. But yeah, it, it is weird looking back now because we're like, I think we we're just such we live in such a different culture and such a different time to where we're like, I don't care what the point was. I don't, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like. Was it worth doing? And that's a great question. I, Eric, tell me this, and you're because you've read the book. Does it feel like maybe Nobokov was do the exercise for Nobokov is I'm such a good writer. Can I make a pedophile sympathetic? Does it feel like the book is like an is like almost like a um, like a test or an experiment in like in writing like can i make anyone sympathetic can i make this pedophile sympathetic i see that's something i struggled with was like whether or not he was trying to make humbert humbert sympathetic uh mm-hmm. to the to the reader and 
that was something that like turned me off because there there are moments where I'm like, is he like trying to like? Are we? Is he trying to get us on like this guy's side or what? What's yeah. happening right now? It was hard for me. It was hard for me to tell. Yeah. Um. And I don't know really anything about Nabokov. Uh, sure. So. Yeah, because I, I could I could see answer. that as like if you're like this fly by the seat of your pants novelist who's so good and you know has been celebrated and decorated for all these these works of art, then you to come out like I wonder. I wonder if I truly am the master, you know, I wonder if I really can make anything feel or seem sympathetic. But I also like, I also think just from watching the movie and I know the movie is way different than the book, but Mm -hmm. um, I know just from watching the movie, I felt like by the end of the movie, at least, even though I, I objectively think it shouldn't be celebrated. It shouldn't be made. <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was a chore to get through. Uh, I yeah. do I do think that I was like, oh, this is this is feeling like a dark comedy of the ilk of like the Coen Brothers or something, where it's like way too melodramatic for what's going on on screen. Humbert Humbert looks like a pathetic asshole. He dies so unceremoniously in prison. Um, like he's such a piece of shit, a whiny baby. I mean, as uh, towards the end of this film, Jackie kept commenting like, he's so pathetic. She just kept saying like, he's so pathetic. And uh, it really paints Humbert Humbert in such a pathetic, disgusting light. That by the end of it, I I was almost like, well, at least, at least I didn't feel bad for the guy, you know. Like at least like mm-hmm. that w- that didn't seem like what the point was of the film. Um, did you kind of get any of that, or does that jive with the book, or was that is is this all like not your read at all? No, I did get that. I did get that with the movie a little bit, a little bit more. He he he's definitely less. Uh, you're less sympathetic to him mm-hmm. watching the movie than when you read the book. That's that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, this is all going down uh, in 1962 is when the film came out. Uh, and Jeremy, how much do you think? Just just a guess. How much do you think the average cost of a new house was in 1962? <laughs> I don't know. At one point, they pay rent on a place for two hundred dollars, and I was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I don't God know uh, how how what. $12,500. Oh, my gosh. Uh, John Glenn becomes the first American to orbit the Earth. Uh, Year of the Cuban Missile Crisis, Marilyn Monroe sings happy birthday to JFK. <laughs> uh, the first Walmart is open. Uh, some of the other films in 62, we got Lawrence of Arabia, The Longest Day, uh, The Music Man, To Kill a Mockingbird, Manchurian Candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jules and Jim. <laughs> The uh the I mean, I mean the brilliant Francois Truffaut film Jules and Jim, we also have uh, Sanjuro I think is the Kurosawa film. Uh yeah, this is like it. This is again. I feel like have we done something in sixty two before? Because this is some of this is feeling uh, familiar. Uh, Knife in the Water, the very first Roman Polanski film comes out. Uh, just a lot of great s- stuff. A lot of cultural touchstones come out. Um, yeah, yeah, this seems to be a, seems to be a good year for movies. Uh, so Lolita, uh, directed by Kubrick, uh, based on the novel. We already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nabokov, uh, wrote a screenplay. I think yeah. Kubrick asked him to write the screenplay and it, 
he'd never written a screenplay before, I don't think, and he turned in a four a 400-page screenplay, mm-hmm. of which, from what I understand, like 20-25% of it was actually used, Yeah, and it was like largely rewritten. Did you read the Harris quote about it? No. The Harris quote, uh, uh, Stan, uh, what's it, James B. Harris, who's the producer of the film, because who yes. was producer for like a few films. He, he, his quote is, uh, about, about receiving Nabokov's, um, screenplay. He's like, we couldn't make it. We couldn't lift it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- this is, uh, I believe, the last film that James B. Harris and Kubrick uh, collaborate on. Yeah, I think. Uh, unless he does, unless he does Strange Love, I, I, I can't. But, but if it's, but if it's Strange Love, that would be the last one for sure. Um. So we talked about this a little bit, but yeah, Kubrick changed the order of events. Um, basically, what we see in the beginning of. The film is what's at the end of the book when Kubrick goes to uh, goes to see Quilty. Uh, 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 I forgot what I was going to say, but uh, the film stars uh, James Mason as uh, Humbert Humbert, Sue Lyon as Dolores Hayes, and Shelley Winters as Charlotte Hayes, mm-hmm. with uh, Peter Sellers as Claire Quilty. Yeah. So a couple things about the cast. Um, one is Eric. Are you a fan of James Mason? Um, I can't think of anything else he's in, but I thought he, I, he, oh my he did God. do a good job as Humbert Humbert. Dude, he, he's one of the all time greats. Uh, North by Northwest is how okay. I know him the most, uh, which is the brilliant, like, um, Alfred Hitchcock film. Uh, Sue Lyon, who plays, uh, Lolita, she mm-hmm. passed away last year. Yeah, so uh, uh, in all, you know, with um, all, uh, for full disclosure, we're recording on Oscar Day. Uh, I fully expect yeah. to see her in memoriam as we watch the Oscars, and I bet I know what uh, what clip they're going to play. <laughs> uh, probably the the sunbathing shot, the very famous sure. iconic uh, her laying on the on the towel. Yeah, um, so when that's she's fourteen years old. When she's fourteen years old, yeah. Uh, also Peter Sellers this is the first time Kubrick works with Peter Sellers. He will work with Peter Sellers again on Dr. Strangelove. Oh yeah. Uh, Peter oh. Sellers is one of the all time. I mean, I just, there's a great film, uh, where Jeffrey Rush plays Peter Sellers call. I think it's just called the life and death of Peter Sellers. It really goes into his, his sort of disgusting misogynistic career where he was, he, he was very funny, very talented. Also like kind of a terrible person, uh, not a great husband, not a great father, but uh, the guy can like transform into all these different uh, characters. You see him do it a little bit in Lolita, but you'll see him do it in to an insane degree in Doctor Strangelove, where he's just playing multiple different characters, completely transforming. Like he's unrecognizable as the president of the United States versus the British uh, field agent versus uh, Doctor Strangelove himself. But in Lolita, he'll play the he'll play like himself as Claire Quilty. He'll play uh, a, a weird sniveling like cop. He'll play a, a psychiatrist, like a German psychiatrist at one point. He's all over the place. He's, he's really, he's really super talented. Um, yeah. He's one of the few people also, and I guess I should probably save this little anecdote for the Dr. Strange love episode, but he's one of the few people who ever got one over on Stanley Kubrick 
And we'll find out more about that oh, on that episode. I don't know about that. But yeah, he totally, uh, he he gets him good. And uh, and, <laughs> we'll, right. and we'll find out how. But uh, yeah, Peter okay. Sellers, famously, he played uh, the Pink Panther. That was like his big, yeah. his big claim to fame. Um, but yeah, Dang. if you ever want to watch like an existential like an amazing existential film. I think, I think it's 1980 or 1981 being there, uh, is a, uh, is a film, being there. is a film starring Peter Sellers where he plays sort of against type. He plays a very silent, very awkward, um, kind of social outcast. And I think it's directed by, uh, by Hal Ashby. It's 1979. Yeah. It's a Hal Ashby film. Uh, before he died so yes and if you're looking for if you're looking for a good alternative uh folk rock album to listen to being there by mm-hmm. wilco by wilco <laughs> yeah yeah good. well it's named after the film uh is it really in the book yeah mm-hmm. oh okay yeah cool yeah uh, so I, i'm a big i'm a big sellers fan i i really I, I think he's just i think he's great i think uh and i think he's great in this film too but uh yeah so uh, the MPAA, Motion Picture Association of America, restri- basically uh, Kubrick was not allowed to uh, show as much graphic content as he as he wanted to, um, and he later commented that he if he had realized how severe the censorship limitations were going to be, he probably would have never made the movie, mm. uh, which kind of like uh, supports your point of like he is maybe just doing this to be like. Because it is like sort of a pro- provocative uh, subject. Yeah, he's uh, an or, asshole. For, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Kubrick. This is when Kubrick like was just like settled down in England, and he just he they filmed a lot of while the in the novel they're driving all over the country, uh, the U.S. Uh, a lot of this was filmed in in England. So Lolita's age was raised from 12 uh, to early teens in the film to meet MPAA standards. Uh, Kubrick had been warned that censors uh, felt strongly about using a more physically developed actress who would be seen to be at least 14. As such, Sue Lyons was chosen for the, t- for the role partly due to her mature appearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, I mean, gross. did you hear... I mean, like, I think on IMDb, it literally says Stanley Kubrick saw her on a talk show and saw that she had big breasts and admired that and wanted to hire her for that reason. So if we're being brutally, brutally honest about why Sue Lyon got picked, it is, it is because of that. Now, yeah, yeah. Hire her because, yeah, it was the size of her breasts. One thing that convinced, that was the one thing that convinced him. Uh, She, at the time when he has, at the time that he's seeing her on the Loretta Young show, she is 13. She will be 15 okay. by the time the film starts filming, and she's 16 when it's released. So anytime you're watching Lolita, you're watching a 15-year-old girl, <laughs> um, yeah. which, you know, uh, there's nothing, there's just no, there's no There's no way to spin that positively. <laughs> um at all no yeah uh yeah and another this is kind of weird like so sue lyon wasn't uh she didn't attend she was too young to go to the premiere right in in 62 in new york which is like uh i don't know it's it's just it's 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 weird to me i i just uh i don't feel good about this jeremy i don't feel good about this movie (laughs) Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we stop? <laughs> um, no, but <laughs> let's get through it uh, yeah. as quickly as possible here. Mm-hmm. No, uh, we, we got a lot to talk about with the plot, but uh, I'm just trying to see if there were any more. Well, there's a there's uh, a lot of cool stuff. Like apparently Peter Sellers, his impression of Claire Quilty was uh, modeled after Stanley Kubrick. Like he is doing an oh. impression of Kubrick the whole time. Okay. Um, another fun thing is that uh, Claire Quilty's role was like greatly expanded from that of the novel. I feel like yeah, I, and that like that's a good choice, right? Bringing such a weird, dark, comedic an- again piece of levity to the to the film. Um, I will say, reading the book because the book ends at Quilty's place and mm-hmm. Kubrick, you know, like kills him or, or Kubrick and uh, Humbert Humbert kills him. Uh, I like they did like such a not great job of setting up Quilty where I forgot who Quilty was when Humbert arrived at his house. I was like, why is he mad at this guy again? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a good call yeah. by Kubrick to like develop that character a little more. Yeah. Uh, also, he uses two or three cameras at once when he's filming Peter Sellers because Peter Sellers is ad-libbing most of his lines. And uh, this he's the only one who is able to get away with that in Kubrick's films. Like, like it, Kubrick won't obviously not encourage improv again, <laughs> but yeah. he, he loves Peter Sellers so much at this point that he's allowing Peter Sellers to do a lot of ad-libbing. And you can really tell in Peter Sellers' performance, like anytime he's, uh, there's a close-up of Peter Sellers, he's just rambling. Like he's just rambling almost incoherently, <laughs> um, which is uh, adds again to the weird character of Quilty. Also, Cary Grant was offered the role of Humbert Humbert, but he turned it down in, ignan- in indignation. <laughs> I I'm trying to remember. Uh, there, but someone I I heard I heard about uh, read about. Is it the kid from Parent Trap? No, not Parent Trap. I don't remember. Haley someone, Mills. someone was offered the yeah. role of Lolita, where I was like, "Oh, weird." Yeah, hey, yeah. It was it was uh, Haley Mills who is uh, yeah she's she is oh, the she girl is in, in the Parent Trap. Uh, okay. She turned down the role of Lolita at the time. It was uh, at the time her father John Mills was credited with the decision. Later, Walt Disney was blamed. <laughs> <laughs> Walt Disney made her turn it down. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Also, we get the good. we get the quote right. I think the first line spoken is uh, no, it's not. It's not the first line sp- spoken because um, Mason asks, uh, "Are you Quilty?" And Quilty replies, "No, I'm Spartacus. You come to free the slaves." And that quote oh. is, I think, ad libbed by um, Peter Sellers, and it's referencing Kubrick's last film, Spartacus, which you could. V- it, in a weird way, in like a film history kind of way, you could vi- view Lolita completely through the eyes of Spar- of Spartacus, like through the lens of Kubrick just made Spartacus, hated his experience, and made Lolita as a revenge film for that. Yeah. Uh, you really yeah. get that sense because it's like, we're back to black and white. We're dealing with topics that are like incredibly uncomfortable. We're not making like obvious um you know uh rah rah america choices like kirk douglas insisted on in spartacus like which r.i.p by the way r.i.p we will also be seeing um an in memoriam for mr uh, douglas this evening mm-hmm. i fully I fully expect but mm. uh let's do our spartacus episode by the way uh it's pretty good oh so, yeah it's a good one are you ready to uh dive into the plot of 
Lolita, Jeremy? Hell yeah. Okay, so we're talking about, of course, we are talking about the 1997 uh, film directed by Adrian Lin, uh, Lolita. Starring Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, man. Uh, okay, that I have like this sort of like curiosity to just like see what that one is all about. I, I also do too, because Adrian Lin is an incredible filmmaker, not unlike Stanley Kubrick. Um, yeah, he made a lot. He made, he made some great films. I mean, he made Flashdance. He made Jacob's Ladder. He made Unfaithful. He's directing a movie that's coming out soon. I mean, the guy is like kind of prolific in his own way. Uh, he makes a movie like once every 10 years. He's like, yeah. So, but I don't know. I, I don't know anything about this film other than when we were reading about it uh, earlier. Uh they they describe the book as being very graphic and they describe the the Kubrick film as being like largely more about plot than it is about the relationship between the two and they describe the 1997 movie as a, a return to the relationship a return to like more sexually explicit stuff so i was like oh great right. that sounds like one to maybe skip <laughs> yeah yeah um i'm never going to watch the 1997 <laughs> movie by the way i was like <laughs> I just mainly want to know, like, I, I don't want to see it. I just want to know, like, why it was done again mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the, you know, 20 years ago. Hey, so I want to ma- I want to put place a bet right now. I bet you they will make Lolita again. How much do you want to bet? <laughs> I don't want to bet anything because I think you're right. Yeah. Do you want to bet like maybe are. 10 years in prison? <laughs> <Do you> wanna- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 If they make Lolita uh, again, we both have to spend 10 years behind <laughs> bars. <laughs> that is a fun bet. I'll take it. Um, so we're going to have to stock up on Patreon episodes for that. Just get a good supply going <laughs> for when we're locked up. Yeah. Uh, set in the night. Na- you know what would be cool? Uh, and we'll get into the plot in a second here. If we did like an Elvis style like live podcast from prison. Oh, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> yeah. A real like a Folsom Prison the, style yeah. Johnny Cash. <laughs> uh, okay, so set in the fifties, uh, the nineteen fifties, the film begins in Meteores uh, near the end of the story with a confrontation between Claire Quilty, uh, drunk and incoherent, uh, and uh, he's playing Chopin on the piano before apparently uh, being shot to death behind a portrait painting of a young woman with the shots fired. From in front of the painting and passing through it, the shooter is Humbert Humbert, a middle-aged British professor of French literature. Um, what do you think of this, Jeremy? Of the opening of the film? Yeah. Yeah, it's inc- I mean, it's incredible. It's, I think, objectively just good. It, it's a strong, it's a very strong opening. Like, first of all, it looks amazing. It's like, it's like a weird, like, almost, oh, yeah. it, the mansion feels like it's like a weird, broken down, rundown museum vibe where it's like a bunch of statues and weird paintings on the floor and um uh yeah we we get our introduction to james mason who looks like a total loser and uh Mm -hmm. we get our introduction to uh quilty who is like this really drunk cool like weirdo there's a lot to unpack in this opening by the way like and like he makes quilty read a letter at one point that is is written by james mason i think (laughs) 
Like it's uh mm. it's the letter is like explaining because Quilty took who will find out to be Lolita is basically like why James Mason is going to kill him. Um, but also Claire Quilty references the Romans a lot, which I think is a very interesting setup to this where, you know, Rome is very famous. Uh, ancient Greece and ancient Rome are very famous for like uh, having a more sexually like, uh, what what would you say? Like we're like we're like older men were encouraged to uh, sleep with young boys. What what kind of society is that? Uh, uh, a more pedophile uh, friendly society, I guess. I guess. Um, yeah. But that but ancient Rome is just such a weird, interesting touchstone for like what's going to end up happening in this. But uh, you notice that like not only does Quilty reference Spartacus, reference ancient Rome, he's talking about Roman ping pong. But when he gets up, the blanket is like this weird white sheet that was covering him sort of wraps around his body and becomes a toga as he gets up Mm. from his like little throne. All of Mm -hmm. it's very like uh, the dynamic of this scene is like very, um, I don't know. It's, It's incredibly watchable and interesting. Uh, you referenced him playing the piano and that is like in this weird moment, Peter Sellers is just like riffing his ass off talking about how they'll make a show together and it'll go like this and it'll be about this. And then they'll split the, the, the money they make from it. And this is before like uh, Claire Quilty books it for the stairwell. He gets shot in the back of the leg and then um, he kind of like limps over to the back of the painting, which is of course a painting of a young woman and then gets shot through the painting and we kind of see his, his arms like go limp and we, and we realize that like, he's been shot. I don't know. Eric, what did you think about the opening? You know, I actually liked the, uh, I, I love the, 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 the setting of, of it with the, just like mansion. It's just like a mess. Uh, I love Peter Sellers, uh, in this movie, uh, and yeah, I, I, I just it does look it looks very good. This whole this whole like portion of the film looks incredible, um, and I was very I didn't really read much about the movie before, um, before watching it, and I didn't realize that we were gonna start here in the plot, and I was pretty like intrigued. I was like the whole time I was kind of like what's this Kubrick guy got up his sleeve like, <laughs> switching things around like this? Yeah. I actually do. I, fe- I feel good. I, I feel like a little bit at least like it sort of validated my decision to read the book beforehand because he um, like unlike I believe Clockwork Orange from what it sounds like, he's, he's pretty like sticks pretty close to the book. Mm. Um, this one, obviously with The Shining, he like just it's like way different uh and this this is similar too um so yeah i was mainly just kind of like intrigued with where where we're heading i guess Um, yeah so the film then flashes back to the events four years earlier uh humbert arrives in ramsdale new hampshire uh intending to spend the summer before his professorship at beardsley college in ohio uh, he searches for a room to rent and Charlotte Hayes, a cloying, sexually frustrated widow, uh, invites him to stay at her house. <laughs> it sounded like it was hard what, for you to get that sentence out. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of what cloying means. I don't know what that word is. Uh, what do you think of Charlotte Hayes? I think Shelley Winters is a genius. I think her portrayal of Charlotte Hayes is 
one of the funniest. It's such a funny performance. It's it's really good. Again, I I, I keep I keep saying Cohen Brothers esque, but I guess you could say like almost like Marx Brothers esque. There's like a lot of like really dark, weird comedic scenes that are over just very over the top, like people acting acting very unnaturally and then suddenly being incredibly grounded. And I think Shelley Winters does like a really good job, kind of straddling both lines. Uh, I think Charlotte Hayes as a character is unfortunate <laughs> because it's like it's like another it is the juxtaposition to Lolita where like Lolita is supposed to be like this chill cool child it it portrays all adult women as being cloying nagging sexually frustrated widows yeah i guess it's saying like if you lived in a world where it, the choice was Lolita or Charlotte Hayes wouldn't you pick Lolita that's sort of like what they're saying and it's like yeah. uh that's unfortunate because um that's not true <laughs> like yeah <laughs> uh but yeah. yeah um yeah I like I, I I really liked her performance I I all of the casting is like exactly what I was picturing in my head reading the, the book, book which oh, was nice. like that never happens, so I was very, yeah. uh, very satisfied with that. Yeah. Um, also, Kubrick hated Shelley Winters, which I think is oh, really? so crazy. Yeah, he considered firing her several times during the making of Lolita, <laughs> yeah. which is um, so crazy because she's so good. <laughs> uh, so he declined uh, until seeing her daughter Dolores, affectionately called Lolita. He declined. Lolita. Uh, we should mention that sentence is weird. He declined. He declines staying with Charlotte staying Hayes yeah. until he sees the daughter because he's a yeah. sicko. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, because uh, Charlotte Hayes was so intense in the interview of him staying there, he was like, I don't want to do it. And then he sees the daughter. He's like, how much? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lolita is a soda pop drinking, gum snacking, overly flirtatious teenager. Uh, some people say that about me. Uh, <laughs> with, uh, I will say this is like way more of a like comprehensive plot overview than we normally get. Yeah, it's, it's like forever long. long. <laughs> <laughs> so to be close to Lolita, uh, Humbert uh, accepts Charlotte's offer and becomes a lodger in the uh, Hayes household. But Charlotte... So I guess this is just like these people are just like renting a spare room. Yeah. Well, it, okay. I mean, Charlotte mentions when she's um, selling it, selling the room to Humbert that she's done this before. And I think mm. one of the other people that she hosted was Quilty. Oh, right. Okay. Because that makes sense. Because she's, she keeps like, uh, I think that's right. Or, I mean, they definitely know Quilty from before this but i thought i thought the deal here was that she was renting out rooms to people who would come and stay and give lectures and stuff mm. at the college that makes sense yeah um but charlotte wants all of humbert's uh hum hum's time for herself uh and soon announces she will be sending lolita to an all-girls sleepaway camp for the summer the maid gives humbert a letter from charlotte confessing her love for him and demanding he vacate at once unless he feels the same way uh which which he reads and laughs maniacally while reading yeah yeah uh the letter said she's 
so nice and like accommodating to him. I know. It's very annoying. Uh, the letter says that if Humbert is still in the house when she returns, Charlotte will know her love is requited and he must marry her. I mean, that's a little intense. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. Uh, though she, though he roars with laughter while reading the sadly heartfelt yet characteristically overblown letter, Humbert marries Charlotte. Um, things turn sour. Do we see the wedding? I can't remember no. if we... No. We kind of skip to like it's a morning after they've slept together and he's like yeah. hiding in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so things turn sour for the couple in the absence of the child. Uh, Glum Humbert becomes more withdrawn and Charlotte grows increasingly unfulfilled and upset. Uh, Charlotte discovers Humbert's diary entries detailing the passion for Lolita and characterizing her as the haze woman, the cow, the obnoxious mama, the brainless baba. Uh, she has an intense outburst, runs outside, and is hit by a car, dying on impact. I believe Humbert Humbert tries to say, like, no, it's like a writing exercise I was yes. doing or yeah, something he, like that. He, it's so funny because he's giving this... If it, Any artist out there, like writer, performer, who's ever had a bit or written something about a loved one or a friend and then had to explain... <laughs> that no yeah. this is just like part of the process like it's such bullshit but like i mean i i, I this was unfortunately so awkwardly relatable <laughs> about like someone finding something that you've written and had been like no 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 you see it's just i was just using the name yeah. it's not a uh, <laughs> it's not a real uh, it's not about you you know like uh yeah it's just such it's like the bullshit writers try to say to people but yeah, I don't know. It's it's stupid. Like, uh, Eric, have you ever I had s- uh, someone discover something you've written and had to explain it? <laughs> um, no, but I think about yeah, not to this degree. I mean, I've like people who like I don't know. Like, I, I people have like seen stuff I've done that I like think is good and funny or whatever but don't necessarily i think is like for everyone like people uh i don't know like a coworker or something and i'm like uh well now you know that i'm like really weird i guess uh, now uh-huh. you know that i but it's not not like it's super embarrassing but you know what i mean like just a little bit like you i you've seen my like weird writer uh comedy weird side i guess i don't know have you had anything like that Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I've also like done bits about people and then not known they were in the audience and <laughs> had to explain later, you know, or like done bits about my girlfriend, you know. I think anyone who has like a who has like a partner and then um goes and does comedy and then but like wants to do a bit about their relationship has to kind of have that conversation you know like yeah like this isn't i don't really feel this way it's just for funny (laughs) (laughs) right humbert uh drives to camp climax to pick up lolita who does not yet know her mother is dead uh they stay the night in a hotel that is handing uh, handling an overflow uh of people of police officers attending a convention uh so Humbert Humbert's like very paranoid. Uh, and he should be because he's a pervert. Uh, one of the guests, a pushy, abrasive stranger, insinuates himself upon Humbert and keeps steering the conversation and his beautiful little daughter who he is asleep upstairs. 
the stranger implies that he too is a policeman and repeats too often that he thinks Humbert is normal. Yeah, this is okay. This is great. <laughs> uh, this is amazing. Uh, what did you think of this scene, Eric? It was. Uh, it's pretty like well done, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's yeah. Go on. Oh no no I was yeah 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 I, yeah go no you please I want to hear I want to hear what you <laughs> how you how you feel about this uh, this exchange between Sellers and uh, Mason. It's it's actually it's I mean I love the performances but it's it actually is like I was feeling a little suspense you know it's mm-hmm. kind of, it's it's a little bit more uh, seems like the stakes are higher or something than when I was reading it the book but yeah I don't know it's it's kind of a I guess. A, significant moment where like I think Humbert Humbert is like finally realizing that like maybe he is like a terrible person yeah uh and like his urges are like very not normal and and bad yeah Sellers is doing this thing where he's talking so fast and so crazily that he's really off-putting to Humbert and in the riff, he keeps ca- saying normal at about like every fifth word he says is normal, even when yeah. it doesn't make sense in the sentence. Also, it's he, he keeps describing um, like th- this beautiful little daughter, but big. She's big too. So it's like this beautiful big little daughter. Like He keeps like saying like uh, people are big and small at the same time. Like, yeah. uh, And it's so funny because it's like, it is a it is a very funny fast riff that Sellers is doing, but it's also like illustrating kind of the whole point of the the story a little bit. Like like in conflating big and little, he's basically saying like isn't Lolita both? Like isn't she like isn't she old enough for you to let yourself off the hook? but isn't she little enough to still be tantalizing to you? Isn't, and aren't you normal? And aren't you normal for thinking this? And aren't you normal for doing this? The character of Quilty is very much like James Mason. He's very much like a, Mm -hmm. a freaky weird pervert, but he's also like trying to relate to Humbert by being like this kind of sick psycho and also normalizing it at the same time and doing so in this very fast comedic riff. Like there's a lot of layers to this scene. And I just think like the performance of it is just so it's like a ballet. And I think it's a one I think it's just like one take of like this entire conversation. Oh, okay. Which is, yeah, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 pretty good uh humbert escapes the man's advances and the next morning humbert and lolita enter into a sexual relationship uh so this is like more detailed in the book and i think this is like a moment that kubrick really wanted to uh to i guess make much more graphic um yeah like how how does it happen in the movie it's just like what what is what is said that is supposed to imply that because i i remember thinking oh like that's when she's she mentions like playing a game with a boy at camp mm-hmm. and then like asking him if he wants to play the game or whatever. Oh, asking yeah. Humbert. Um, the two commence in Odyssey across the U S traveling from hotel to motel uh, in public. They act as father and daughter after several days. Humbert tells Alita that her mother is not sick in the hospital. 
as he had said before, but she's dead. Uh, Grief-stricken, she stays with Humbert. Yeah, uh, this is, like, uh, such yikes. a huge problem, right? Like, yeah. he's lying to her that her mother is sick when she's dead to have sex with her, essentially. And, um, and by the way, a part of this that we haven't even brought up that is a huge problem that you don't even hear get talked about, I think because it's so overshadowed by the pedophilia is the incest of it. Like that they're Mm -hmm. acting as father and daughter and that there is a whole like daddy daughter relationship here that where he's totally taking advantage of this young person. Like it's like, it's, it's awful on so many levels. And I feel like that level also gets lost where it's like, Oh yeah. To add insult to trauma, also, she's going to have a weird complex about, you know, like father relationships, like, fa- <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, ugh, it's like, it's like terrible on, on so many levels, too many to count, you know? Yes. Uh, in the fall, Humbert reports to his position at Beardsley uh, and enrolls Alita in high school there. Uh, after, uh, before long, people begin to wonder about their relationship uh, and Humbert worries about her Lolita's involvement with the school play and the male castmates. Uh, one night, he returns home to find Dr. Zempf, a pushy, abrasive stranger, sitting in his darkened living room. Uh, Zempf, speaking with a thick German accent, claims to be from Lolita's school and wants to discuss her knowledge of the facts of life. He convinces Hubbard to allow Lolita par- to participate in the school play for which she had been selected uh, to play the leading role. Did you know this uh, was uh, Sellers? No, <laughs> no, I didn't actually. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Did you, um, was it a surprise to you at the end of the movie when, when she says like, those were all, those are all quilty? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget. I'm trying to remember what the play was that there, that she was, uh, it, it's, it, it's a, of course, like an old a throwback to like a Roman style. It's like something that takes place in like ancient Rome. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like a weird, um, like a Shakespeare thing. While attending a performance of the play, Humbert learns that Lolita has been lying about how she was uh, spending her Saturday afternoons. Uh, they get into a row, and Humbert decides to leave Beardsley College and take Lolita on the road again. What the hell is a uh, row? <laughs> they get into a row. <laughs> Humbert decides to leave. Huh? Is a row, is a row a fight? Yeah, they do get in an argument. I guess maybe that's. Yeah, she uh, the neighbors come over and say basically like, "Hey, we can hear you yelling. We heard everything you said. Also, we're starting to wonder about the relationship you guys have." And yeah. Lolita runs away, and Humbert runs down the street, finds her in a phone booth, and when she, he opens the door, she's like, "Oh, I guess I was I was trying to call you," and because but she was fully like talking to someone on the phone. Um, yeah. as someone who hasn't read the book and just seen the film, you know, I, I think it is at this very moment I realized, oh, she's playing him. Like she yeah. is, this is a con actually. Mm-hmm. Um, um, is that yeah. obvious in the book or I think it's pretty, yeah. You kind of realize it like during when they're on their like little road trip. So yeah. And, uh, so Lolita objects, uh, at first, but then she suddenly changes her mind Seems enthusiastic. Once on the road, Humbert soon realizes they are being followed by a mysterious car uh, that never drops away but never quite catches up. When Lolita becomes sick, he takes her to the hospital. 
Uh, however, when he returns to pick her up, she is gone. Uh, the nurse says she left with another man claiming to be her uncle, and Humbert, devastated, is left without a single clue as to her disappearance. Um, you gotta up the security at that hospital. I Dude, mean- he strangles a woman. <laughs> 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 He's full on puts his hands around the throat of a of a nurse. <laughs> That's uh don't do that. Uh some years later, Humbert receives a letter from Mrs. Richard uh T. Schiller, Lolita's married name. Uh she writes that she is now married to a man named Dick and that she is pregnant and in desperate need of money. I think she is like eighteen or nineteen or something at this point. Uh, yeah, Humbert travels yeah their home and finds that she is now a roundly expectant woman in glasses uh leading a pleasant humdrum life uh whoever wrote this wikipedia article like really really wants to be like a like novelist i know roundly Uh, are you kidding me (laughs) humbert uh demands that she tells him who kidnapped uh her three years earlier uh she tells him it was claire quilty the man that was following them uh who is a famous playwright uh and with whom her mother had a fling in ramsdale days uh she states quilty is also the one who disguised himself as dr zempf the pushy stranger who kept crossing their path, uh, Lolita herself carried on an affair with him and left with him when he uh, promised her glamour. However, then uh, he then demands she joins his joins his depraved lifestyle, including acting in his art films, which she vehemently refused. Yeah, he's kind of so, like a uh, he's kind of like a um, oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Andy Warhol. Like that's that's yeah. who that's who Quilty reminds me of. Like he's hanging um, out in this place with all these like artists and novelists yeah. and and nudists, and he's making pornos. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's using like slave labor, um, <laughs> which I think is a thing Andy Warhol did. Oh yeah, uh, by Humber- not paying anyone. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. that's what it is. Uh, Humbert begs Lolita to leave her husband and come away with him, uh, but she declines. Uh, Humbert gives Lolita $13,000, explaining it as her money from the sale of her mother's house, uh, and leaves to shoot Quilty in his mansion, where they began the film. Uh, The epilogue explains that Humbert died of uh, uh, a severe case of diarrhea while awaiting trial for (laughs) Quilty's murder. (laughs) He shat himself. Uh, no, coronary death. thrombosis, which I can only imagine is what happens when you play a trombone too hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> we about, I we honestly, and this is no, no shame, no shame or no shade thrown your way. I felt you reading this as quickly as possible, wanting to take as little breaks as possible to talk about the film. <laughs> uh, and good, I mean, good on you. I, I feel like this might have been one that um, in hindsight was maybe too much of an undertaking for two white guys to sit around and, and yeah, two straight cis white males to sit around and talk about all the ins and outs of uh, right. the plot of Lolita. Well, but, um, but yeah, uh, overall though, what, how did you, what did you think of the film adaptation of the, of the book? So the point of this podcast is to talk about the movies of Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch. And we're not, the point isn't to like talk about 
necessarily uh, all the stuff we've been discussing. Right. Uh, <laughs> but you kind of have to. And uh, my 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 reaction is um, I don't like that this story exists in film or book form at all, uh, and it disgusts me. I do, I will say, like, the one sort of, like, a gem that I've uncovered uh, from this uh, this whole this whole uh, disgusting journey is I do like Kubrick's filmmaking is getting like very very good mm-hmm. uh, visually this movie looks great it looks awesome like it's it, it it's it, it looks really good uh, the performances are all really good it's very well cast. Um, you know, I just it's it's just, it's a hard story for me to get into. It's a hard story for a lot of people to get into. I'm sure. Um, it's uh, it 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 is it does kind of like you can see the progression of Kubrick's filmmaking is like it, he's still it's still getting like better and better, so to speak. I mean, this is obviously like more well done than Spartacus. Um, I would say, what did we watch before that? What was Paths uh, of Glory? Uh, Paths of Glory, I will say, is still probably, I would say, is like a better film than Lolita is. Um, but I think it's it 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 does show that like Kubrick's uh Kubrick's getting getting good at what he what he does. Um, so I appreciated it, that in it in that respect, I suppose. What do you, what do you think of the movie? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's weird. I like, um, I, I agree. I basically agree with everything you said. I do, I do, uh, I, I guess I was just trying to think of something to say to be different than you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I guess I disagree with it. I, I guess I just agree with everything that you said. I think, yeah, it's good. It's, it's technically good or I get, I would say it's technically great. It is. Uh, it shouldn't be made or be seen by anyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that, like, I don't know. We kind of get a pass a little bit because we're like able to, or like we're we don't get a pass. We're able to watch sometimes pretty disgusting, disturbing things because we i feel like we haven't experienced the trauma that the film is illustrating like we can pretty much what i'm saying is we can pretty much objectively watch this and have a bit of uh, objective detachment from it um i don't think a lot of people can especially women i don't think a lot of women can objectively watch this um my girlfriend i wish you know and maybe we'll have her on the show at some point but my girlfriend was speaking about how there was a moment in her life where she remembers the feeling of uh developing into a young woman but still being very young and realizing that uh men started sexualizing her in the way that she had seen on tv and just how disturbing that growing up experience is for young women and um and I think that that is something that like we people who are avid defenders of this book and film don't take into account is just like just how psychotic sexuality is in human beings already. (laughs) 
and how like disturbing it is to grow up as a young woman in like in any respect. So I think it's, I think it is a, such a far stretch to be like, no, this is a book about this, or this is, you know, this is like, this succeeds, this novel succeeds in so many ways. It's like, yeah, but also it's like a nightmare <laughs> for yeah. a lot of people to have to explore. It is, I, I was also talking to her a little bit though about the, I don't know what you want to call it, like irony or uh, backwards way we we our way we're we're much more inclined to trivialize violence than we are mm-hmm. like sexuality in that like you know we see a lot of content that is from the perspective of the serial killer right like so it's like mm-hmm. Dexter right is just sort of Lolita but for murder <laughs> and yeah. you know I think because so many less people probably have experienced a serial killer like have experienced like getting getting like affected by a serial killer than have uh someone who was a sexual predator that we don't often think about that but like all of this content out there that's like from the perspective of the abuser or of the killer or of the like of humbert humbert you know it really makes you kind of th- take a step back and think like you know how like how valuable is this you know, unless you are a uh, a mind hunter, <laughs> like somebody who <laughs> needs to get into the head of the killer to catch the killer, I don't know if the exercise is ultimately that healthy or helpful um, to P- uh, to everyone else. Maybe it is in that we're able to kind of normalize men- like uh, mental illness, but. I definitely am seeing a pattern here of like, wow, we do like to make the hero the bad guy or the bad guy the hero a lot. And I don't yeah. know. That was just something I thought of while watching this. Is like, this is just de- this is just Dexter for pedophiles, <laughs> basically. Or yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be talking wild at heart. Uh, so. Oh, I you know what? I never plugged the Patreon on this episode. Right. So patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You can find it on our Twitter also. Uh, we do almost one bonus episode a week. Uh, we're doing a series. We're about to record an episode for our series on uh, Tales from the Crypt. We do whatever people tell us to on there. It's a great time. Uh, very not expensive at all for what for what you're getting it's uh it's a pretty good deal so go on over there at patreon.com slash eric and jeremy and uh norma (laughs) (laughs) i'll see you in my dreams